So on Wednesday, something happened, uh, and it wasn't just all of the rain. It was uh, Halloween, right? And uh, I don't know if, if you have kids, if they actually were able to get out there and, 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 uh, and endure all of the weather. Uh, we'd had a fraction of the trick-or-treaters that we do on, on good weather uh, Halloweens. But Halloween isn't, isn't just a time really for us to, uh, to have uh, fun and games and trick-or-treat and eat candy until we're fat. Uh, it's really a, a precursor for us as Christians. Um, it's a precursor for All Saints Day. And uh, today is the Sunday that, that we, the church, uh, celebrate All Saints Day. All Saints Day is, is a time when we uh, gather together as God's holy people, as the communion of saints, and acknowledge those that have gone uh, to, to join with Christ in the saints of light, uh, the, the holy communion of all saints. And, uh, and over the course of our lives, uh, we do this one at a time through, uh, through memorial services, uh, funerals, celebrations of life, looking on to those that have gone before us and are now in that holy and sacred communion. But each year we also as Christians join together on All Saints Day, remembering specifically those that have gone before us uh, over the course of the last year. And so I'm, I'm going to... Uh, invite us into um, a few moments of prayer together, a silent prayer, um, and I hope that uh, the Lord, through the presence of the Holy Spirit, will guide your your hearts and your minds to uh, to those uh, that you know, those that you love, uh, that have gone before you and uh, entered into uh, that holy communion of, of saints. Uh, and I, I also invite you, if the Lord puts uh, a name on your lips, that you would uh, speak it in that, even in uh, this space of silence that we enter into together, so that all of us together are uttering the names of, uh, of those that we, uh, that we acknowledge as uh, saints in our lives. So would you pray with me? Lord, we do indeed give you thanks for these, the faithful that have gone before us. Lord, we thank you uh, for uh, your heavenly kingdom, a kingdom that knows no end, uh, a banquet table that uh, has place settings for each and every one of your children. And we ask, oh God, that, uh, that, that you would allow our spiritual imaginations to, uh, to, to move uh, about your heavenly kingdom, even in this moment, that we could... Imagine what it is like to join with those that have gone before us. Lord, we, we praise you that they have been bound up in your love and your grace into eternity. And we pray, O oh God, that we would uh, run our race with, with faithfulness, with perseverance, 
that we also might be accounted as your saints in eternity. Lord, we praise you for uh, the, the holy communion that, uh, that we uh, dwell in as members of your church. And we ask, oh God, that, uh, that, that you would uh, bind us up one to another as brothers and sisters under our Savior, your Son, Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. The scripture is from Luke uh, chapter 14, beginning in verse 15. I hope that you'll follow along as we together hear the word of the Lord. One of the dinner guests on hearing this said to him, Blessed is anyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. Then Jesus said to him, Someone gave a great dinner and invited many. At the time for the dinner, he sent his uh, slave, his servant, to say to those who had been invited, Come, for everything is ready now. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said to him, I bought a piece of land. I must go out and see it. Please accept my regrets. Another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen. I'm going to try them out. Please accept my regrets. Another said, I've just been married and therefore I cannot come. So the slave returned and reported this to his master. Then the owner of the house became angry and said to his slave, Go out at once into the streets and the lanes of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. And the slave said, Sir, what you have ordered has been done, and there is still room. Then the master said to the slave, go out into the roads and lanes and compel people to come in so that my house may be filled. For I tell you, none of those who were invited will taste my dinner. This is God's word offered to us in its reading and its hearing. So we give thanks to Lord God Almighty. Would you pray with me? Lord, open our eyes that we would see, our ears that we would hear. Open our minds that we come to know and understand your word and your ultimate will. Open our hearts that we would feel its power. And by your grace, I ask, O oh God, that you would open our hands, that we would offer grace to the world. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, um, I don't think Lauren, my wife, will ever let me live with this one down. Uh, in fact, I don't even know if she'll ever forgive me for it. You see, um, in, in August uh, of 2005, Katrina hit uh, New Orleans. And uh, on August 29th, they began loading up buses and bringing the buses from uh, the survivors in New Orleans from, uh, from New Orleans over to Houston. And they, uh, they were unloading the buses at the Astrodome, at the whole Reliant Complex. And... Uh, Judge Ed Emmett is uh, a member of St. Luke's United Methodist Church in Houston, and uh, I was an associate pastor at St. Luke's. Uh, I had just graduated out of seminary, uh, and uh, Lauren was uh, uber pregnant, and Addie was a newborn, and, uh, and uh, being an associate pastor at Judge Ed Emmett's church, Judge needed to have folks that would receive our guests from New Orleans into the Astrodome, but didn't uh, didn't want to just open it up to the public. Like, how 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 do you you know just just say, hey, everybody that wants to like love people that are hurting, come into the Astrodome. Like we would have had all of Houston in there. And so instead, what he did was he he put out the call 
to the uh, to the pastors at St. Luke's and the leadership team at St. Luke's, uh, and obviously also uh, folks from the United Way, and said these are the only people that are allowed in. So I like literally, as an associate pastor at St. Luke's, dro- drove up to the Asher Dome, and they said we're not receiving any volunteers. And I said uh, I'm from St. Luke's, and they said come on in. And I was like, wow, this is like super weird. Uh, every, you know, lines of cars are being rejected, but I get to go in just to love people. Um, so I, I spent about a week of my time uh, loving people there. I ended up coordinating all of the receiving of in-kind donations from all over the country uh, in, in one of the big warehouse sections of the Reliant Complex. And, uh, and it, it was surreal and sleep depraved and uh, heartbreaking and incredibly uh, painful but beauty from the ashes in so many magnificent ways not not all of which I, I can share now but following all of that at about this time in 2005 at the turn of November I got a call and uh, I got a call from uh, Oprah Winfrey's team and uh, Oprah Winfrey was uh, had come down to the Astrodome and done some things uh, related to uh, disaster recovery. Uh, I met her there and uh, kind of hosted her for part of her, her time there, none of which uh, was very good. I was highly unimpressed, and I won't defame her character uh, before all of you here, but I was really, really upset with all that took place in that. But in November, just a few months later, I got this call from Oprah, Oprah Winfrey's team, and, and they said, uh, you're on our list. Uh, we're having folks come up to be hosted at one of Oprah's shows, and we want uh, you to come to Oprah's show and be her guest. And I was still like a little fired up and frustrated at like everything that I had seen from her whenever she was down at the Astrodome. And so whenever, whenever I got the invite from Oprah, I, I said, no, thank you. And Lauren was like, are you sure? And I said, I'm absolutely sure I'm not going. And she said, are you sure you're sure? Oprah invited you to be a guest. Are you sure you're sure you're sure that you don't want to go? I said, I'm not going anywhere near that woman. That was my. So you know the shows that Oprah does, right? Around the holiday time? Um, like in December, she has the shows and she brings people together. And I think they're called like favorite, th- Oprah's favorite things shows. Or, you know what I'm talking about? And like, and like the entire show, like an hour is, is just like all of the awesomest, newest, coolest stuff Oprah has found. And like, and like one thing after another, everybody in the audience gets it, Right. You get one, and you get one, and you get, you've heard, like, you've seen the memes, right? You know what I'm talking about. And, you know, like, like at the end, it's like something really, really, really uber stupid, like a, like a fancy car, like a $40,000 car. And she's like, and you get a car, and you get a car, and you get a car. And Lauren and I are watching Oprah one day. <laughs> and they're having uh, the show where all of the folks that were servants during Katrina are being 
uh, honored as guests. And sure enough, it is Oprah's favorite thing show. And sure enough, everybody there got a car. And sure enough, Lauren looked at me and said, you were invited. And you said, no. <sighs> yeah. I did. I did. That. I did that. But that's okay. <laughs> it, it is. It's okay. It's okay. I didn't go. Um, but like you, like like that was that was probably the, the 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 coolest invite I've ever gotten, and I didn't even realize what the invite was until after I missed the party. And here's Jesus teaching his disciples, and he's teaching in this very interesting setting. Like a lot of times we see Jesus teaching in settings where he's out in the fields amongst the people, or he's uh, at, the lake sh at the lakeside, or, or maybe he's up on the mount, or sometimes we see J Jesus teaching when he's with sinners and he's eating with sinners. This is one of the rare occasions he's actually eating at a dinner table with Pharisees. He's, he's at dinner with religious leaders, with people of high esteem, with people that the entire culture and community would say, this is it. This is where you want to be. You want to, you want to get to this table because if you get here, then you're being honored in a certain way. This is the invite you want to have. And Jesus is sitting there at that table. And while he's sitting there at the table, everybody's kind of their eyes are on him. And he starts teaching. And everything he's teaching kind of seems to be... Uh, in like sharp uh, uh, defiance to the, the very table setting that he's at. It's like, it's like I'm here, but I want y'all to know that what's taking place here is all sorts of backwards. And I'm going to tell you all about it. Man, that's, that's someone that's ruining a dinner party, right? Like, 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 have you ever had someone come in your house and tell you everything you're doing is wrong? I hope not. Because it sounds awful. And that's basically what Jesus just did. So Jesus is there. And he's at this table. And he begins to teach. And he says there, there was a banquet. There was a feast. Maybe not unlike the one we're sitting at today. But, but bigger. Think bigger. I want you to think even bigger. And this is how he describes it. He says, he says there's this feast. And it's, it's huge. Everything's been prepared. And culturally, we have to back up. We have to take two steps back, and we have to understand what the invitation process was like for a feast of this size and magnitude. You, you see, the, the, the kind of banquet that Jesus is describing is one that, that invitations would have gone out, and everybody would have been notified, uh, hey, you're invited, and it's going to be awesome. It's huge. It's going to be around this time, so, you know, can you come? And actually, they didn't say, can you come? That's not how RSVPs work for these sorts of things. Culturally, both in the, the early Jewish culture and in the Roman culture, so all the culture that was known in that region at this time, what you would actually do is you would only RSVP if you weren't coming. You've got no RSVP like that, you know? Only RSVP if you can't come. And I'm like, oh gosh, you know, like, uh. so, so that's what it was like. Only RSVP if you can't come. And so then, like the person that, that, that's the servant to the master, they're like keeping track. We invited, you know, 
hundreds of people, doing, 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 keeping the tally. I got, I got, I got, you know, a messenger from this person and a messenger from that person, text messages or whatever, and they can't come and they can't come in. So they get the, they get the list of everybody that's coming, everybody that's coming. And then they meal plan, right? Now you got a number, now you got to plan the meal. But planning the meal for something like that was based on how many animals you had to slaughter, right? Seriously, it was, you know, uh, if, we, if, we, uh, if we slaughter a kid, it's going to give us this much. A chicken is going to give us this much. A sheep is going to give us this much. A, 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 a cow it's going to give us this much. And so, like, they have, like, this is how much we're going to get from each item. And so they have this list, and they know many are coming, and, and, and they, don't have, they don't have any of y'all on the decline list, and all y'all say you're coming. And so they go out, and they slaughter all these animals, and they cook this huge spread, and then they go out and say, it's ready. Come on. And then they start getting excuses. So first of all, I want you to kind of I think the Pharisees are really smart. I really do. Uh, they're, they're educated people in this culture. And so they, they, I think they, get, they really get what Jesus is teaching as he's teaching it. And I think that when Jesus is teaching that this invite went out and all of these honored guests are invited and then, and then like the word goes out that it's time to come and, and, and they realize that those are, those are, are them. They are those, like, like they've been invited. They were honored guests. And so you, you, you know what Jesus then says? They start making excuses. And their excuses, he says, are lame. He doesn't say it as directly as that, but they get it. He said they have weak sauce excuses. They're all super duper lame. Someone says, I bought a property and I need to go see it. First of all, if you're able to buy a property, are you rich or poor? You're rich. So this is already someone rich, capable, high esteem. They've been invited to the party, and they bought a property. And what? They didn't even see it before they bought it? They didn't even see the property before they bought it. Even today, that logic is weak, right? It's full of, it's full of I mean, it's, probably, it's a lie. It's just a lie. They didn't buy a property and not see it. They, they were looking for an excuse. And then the next one says, I bought five oxen and I'm gonna go try them out. So for us, that doesn't mean anything. For them, that means everything. Because if we were in that culture, we would know that if you were a private landowner and you were able to, to, uh, to cultivate enough for your family, and, and maybe for uh, a, 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 an estate, it would take one or two oxen. But this is five. So this is someone that is like super duper wealthy that's producing uh, gobs and gobs of agriculture. And this is someone that says, I bought all of this and I'm going to go try it out. The host of the party is like, you haven't tried out oxen in years. You have people that do this, right? You have people who have people that do this. You don't actually do this. You're just making a lame excuse. 
And then the last excuse is someone who says, says uh, oh, I just got married, I can't come. Well, that seems like a pretty decent excuse, except for the fact that the person that sent out the invitation told them roundabout when this whole thing was going to happen. And if you really thought that this was going to be too close to your wedding, then you would have sent back what? A regret, a no answer. You would have said, sorry, this is too close to my wedding. I plan to be on a honeymoon. I can't come. And that's what you would have sent. But they didn't send that. So Jesus is saying to the Pharisees, hey, Pharisees, you've been invited to a banquet, the banquet of our Lord. God is the host. And here you go. And you have weak excuses. Why aren't you willing to come to the table? Well, God, God in this story, the, 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 the host of the party is, is, is angry, is frustrated by this. And so, uh, so what Jesus says then happens is uh, the, the host looks to his servants, to his slaves and says, uh, hey, here's what we're going to do. We invited all these people, the, these people of esteem and, and, and power and authority, those that are educated, those that are wise, those that everybody uh, around thinks actually get it, and we learned that they didn't get it, and so what we're going to do is we're going to invite, we're going to invite the people that don't get thought about. We're going to invite the lame, we're going to invite the beggars, basically we're going to invite everybody in town that no one wants to invite to anything, but they're in town. These are folks that are in town. And so to the Pharisees, this is a message. This is a message that Jesus is then saying that the next people that are invited are, are the Jews that you look down on. These are still Jews. These are Jews under the umbrella of the family of God. These are people that are a part of that inheritance, but, but you set them aside, you shove them aside, you say they're outcasts, that they're unclean, that they're un, uh, unworthy of being in your presence, and so because of the way you treat them, I'm going to invite them anyway, and I'm going to invite them in. Think about who might have been on that list for the Pharisees. Maybe it was some fishermen. Or some tax collectors. Or some who were infirmed. Or had diseases. Or ailments. Uh, maybe it was some who were impoverished. Maybe it was a widow. Maybe it was a prostitute. You put all of those people in this picture of who Jesus is saying now is invited. And then you look at his ministry and say... This is what Jesus is doing. In fact, a lot of those people are already at the table because Jesus is there at the table with the Pharisees and with his disciples. So all of his disciples are looking around saying, huh, I was invited in. Even when others thought I wouldn't be welcome." So uh, 
the servants say to, to the master, they say, absolutely got them. They're, they're all here. We, we went all over town. We went throughout the entire Jewish community. We found everybody uh, who thought they were nobody, and we invited them all in, and they're all here. And, and, and the word that the master gives them is says, I want you to seek them out. They're, they're going to be sought out. And, and, and they say, absolutely, we did it. We sought them out, and they're here. But what? But what? But there's still more room. There's, there's more. There's more than enough. In a few weeks, you're going to have Thanksgiving. At the end of Thanksgiving, you're going to look around uh, uh, at what's left over, and you're going to say to yourself, there was more than enough. There always is. How is there always more than enough? We don't even get halfway through the turkey. I, and I think it's, it's, it's Google does this on purpose. Like you Google how much turkey do you need for this many people, and it tells you, and it's a lie. Cut it in half. But, sorry, uh, a little worked up about something on the side. So, no, the master's there, and the servants say there's still more room. So the master could have said, well, we've invited everybody. Got to be a Jew. We invited the high esteemed Jews. They gave lame excuses. We invited the low esteemed Jews. They all came. Still got room. Eh, we'll have leftovers. That could have been the response. That's how the, the parable could have closed right there. Praise God it didn't. Because the, the master then turns to his servants and says, all right, here's what I need you to do now. I need you to go out beyond, to go beyond those in the city, those in the tribe, those amongst the Jews. I need you to go out beyond. I need you to go out into the hill country. I need you to go into the lanes and the far out places. I need you to find the outcast of the outcast. I need you to go amongst the Gentiles, those that don't think they're even welcome in the city. Not only are we going to invite them in the city, but we're going to invite them to a banquet in the city. I need you to go so far beyond your comfort zone, so far beyond anything that you think uh, would reasonably be done, and I, and I need them all to come because there is that much room. And the servants go, and they bring them in. The word actually uh, that the master gives the servants is, I want you to compel them. It's the best translation is to compel. And, and, and in the sense that it's spoken here in Scripture, it actually means to not take no for an answer. Like, I, I, I want you to invite them. I want you to seek them out. And when they say no, you say yes. And you invite them again. Like, invite them until they break down and come in. <laughs> That's a pretty awesome host. And you know, whenever, whenever we think about this parable, and even in your Bibles, if you have the little headings in your Bible, uh, your Bible probably uh, aligns this as the parable of the great banquet or the parable of the great feast. I want you to think about this in a totally different fashion. I want you to think about this as the parable of the great invitation. The parable of the great invitation. 
Because we can get focused on this banquet and we could, we, we, could, we could fixate on how grand this is and how many are welcome in and how, and how, and how much room there is at the banquet. But, but if, we, if we only look at the banquet, if we only look towards heaven, if we only look towards what uh, will be, we're gonna miss the role that we play in this. Have you figured out who you are in this story? You, you might have aligned yourself with either the Pharisees and said, Lord, please help me not have lame, weak sauce excuses like they did, or you might have aligned yourself uh, with, with one that, that seemed on the fringe, uh, but, 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 but the Lord found uh, his way to convince me to come in, or you might have felt totally on the outside and you were sought at, out and compelled. You might have found yourself there, but I want you to avoid that for a second. I want you to pull back and I want you to think about who God has called all of us to be in this story. All of us have been asked to be the servants. The ones that already know their master. That serve their master day by day by day. And God says to us, seek them out. With a great invitation. Tell them of the good news. For it is a grand banquet that's been prepared. Even more than that, go beyond your comfort zone and compel them to come in. This is the great invitation. And you're the one that gets to send it out. What a gift it is to serve a master who's always asking us to make room for one more.